So how, on God's gray earth, did this... Welcome to the jungle! And this when I look into your eyes, I can see love restrained. Darling, when I and even this. Become this. to Detours and Outliers, the podcast where we take a closer look at that one album in an artist's discography that sticks out like a sore thumb. It might be their best album, it might be their worst album, but either way, it's that one album where the artist was so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Uh, Just a note, we are on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and Spotify and blah, 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 blah. You know what to do. I don't need to remind you, but I did anyway, so we're moving on. This week on the panel, we have Matthew Marr and Logan Renard. My name is Scott Livingston. We are in the second week of the Merry Month of Metal, so it's only appropriate that we had a guitar shredder coming in as our guest, uh, Scott LaFaw. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks we'll have fun me. and games. <laughs> uh, this week we're going to be talking about um, Chinese Democracy by Guns N' Roses. So um, th- there's a lot of uh, information to unpack on this one. I mean, usually the Wikipedia page only gives me a paragraph or two, and this was some some reading. <laughs> this Wikipedia page has Wikipedia pages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of backstory. Yeah, like uh, 15 years, 14 studios, and $13 million went into this. So <laughs> They put it all on the record, man. Uh-huh, and then erased it and put it on the record and erased it a few more times and then went back and... Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, where exactly to start? I guess... Um, 1994? <laughs> yeah, let's see. The last Guns N' Roses album before this was The Spaghetti Incident, which was the covers album, and their last original one was the 91, I think? Use Your Illusions? One and two. One and two. So they could make a lot of music at once if they wanted to, but um, they is the, the appropriate word here because there is no they anymore. <laughs> there is only Axel. 
for this album. For this album. But uh, uh, you know, apparently they they uh, you know anyone correct me if I'm wrong. They did reunite. They had a tour. Yeah. They didn't call it the Hell Freezes Over tour. That was the Eagles, but it was yes. something similar. Right? Indeed, yes. And um, uh, apparently they they played quite a few songs from this album, Chinese Democracy, which is rather surprising given that um, the only member of the band, the old band that actually played on this was Axl Rose. Yes, if that. <laughs> which does lead one to believe that... that um, Contrary to, to perhaps popular opinion, or at least my previous opinion, um, Axl Rose has uh, an awful lot to do with the sound of this band. Uh, yeah. You, you know, I mean... It, whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not, yeah. right? Right. I mean, he, you know, if you if you look at the solo material from the other guys, um, and, not, and I'm not just talking about the singing, it just, yeah. it isn't, it doesn't really sound You're not like Guns N' Roses. cranking up Slash's Snake Pit or Velvet Revolver yeah, 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 or yeah, anything... Yeah. I did listen to the Velvet Revolver, and uh, apparently that first Snash, S- S- Slash's Snake Pit album mm. was supposed to be a, a GNR album, but Axel didn't like any of the songs until they were done, and then he's like, "No, I've changed my mind. Give me those songs <laughs> back." And <laughs> those so, albums were excellent. Though. So yeah, it was foreshadowing of things to come. Then yeah, Axel is, shall we say, difficult to work with. <laughs> And as a result, um, he had fired everyone from Guns N' Roses between, well, I guess let's establish a timeline. Um, Spaghetti Incident 94, this album comes out in 2008, and um, Axel is working on it the whole time. <laughs> yeah, well, well, maybe perhaps just for some of our listeners, which there might be one, yes. who don't know much about Guns N' Roses, could we talk about them a little bit? Yes, let's start from, from yeah, early 80s. Yeah, so so um, early '80s. When did they come out? When like did '85, maybe '87? I don't know. Yeah, I think maybe it, later '80s. I think Appetite for Destruction, their first real album, real album, right? Or their first, you know, major release, yeah. right? Was '87, um, I think. And uh, so so yeah, so late late '80s. Yeah, they were. They weren't quite hair metal. They seemed a little scarier, but they were sort of on yeah, that. Yeah, and they were wave. definitely they they definitely got thrown in with the kind of metal crowd. I think you know by the press and all of that. But they they at least to my ear they didn't sound metal at all. They were a heavy rock band, a la you know seventies acts like you know Zeppelin or Deep Purple or something like this. Yeah, um, and they or Aerosmith, you know, along along that sort of vein. Yeah, right. And and um, they uh, they they uh, broke in like gangbusters uh, through MTV. I think you know they they just exploded onto the scene, and um, you know probably sold um, way too many albums for their first album. Yeah, um, which uh, might have. Um, might have hindered their development. Well, I, th- I think there's a reason that the well, use your illusion and you know the stuff that came out quickly after Appetite was so rushed and and well, there's some good stuff on there. A lot of it feels really unfinished because they were touring like hell and because MTV was blowing up and they had videos on. I'm sure their management was like, just put something out, it will sell, and it did. You know, they made a lot of money selling, but there's definitely a lot of on the follow-up to Appetite, there's a lot of stuff that's like half done. You yeah, it's like um, I think my first my first real exposure to them was I was um, it was my first year of graduate school in upstate New York, and I was hanging out with some fellow graduate student guys. Oh, I think we were watching um, we were watching a Dirty Harry movie. Um, I it was 
sudden impact or something like this, right? And or or um, the the kill list. I can't remember. It was something something bizarre, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, but uh, anyway, anyway. Um, uh, this this song came on. It turned out to be uh, "Welcome to the Jungle," and I was like, "I was like, who's that? That's pretty badass." And and everyone was like, "Oh, it's Guns and Roses." And I was like, "Oh, I guess uh, you missed uh, their I, boat. I missed, I missed the boat here." <laughs> but uh, but uh, so even by then, by the time I heard of them, they were already overexposed. Is what yeah. I was getting at. Yeah. Well, by the time I heard of them, they were already saying Chinese democracy is coming out this year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you. They said that a lot. Yes. For all of my high school career. And high uh, school. Yeah. Like it was coming out and it would not come out for some time. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Rolling. Scott had a, a Rolling Stone article from Sarah had a, a Rolling Stone article from 2006. Six? Yeah. yeah. Which is actually pretty close to its mm-hmm. release date but i mean there was yeah. there were i think rolling stone might have had a dedicated column just to the <laughs> what's the recording of it Chinese was democracy. every other week it was it's totally coming out it's, it's we're definitely coming out here's all this drama he yeah. got in a fight with this guy fired yet fired another this guitarist guy. definitely coming out this year yeah it's strange too because i, I think uh, he had an aesthetic going into it or at least a principle a principle that that whoever was on this album was going to be in the band it was going to be a band album yeah so so as they as the uh you know fired uh players or players left just because you know after a couple of years of this they got bored or better offers or whatever it might be um then they would have to re-record all of the things that person did because he didn't want someone who wasn't in the band playing on the record which which created a, um, a, a you know, he's pulling an a feedback loop <laughs> yeah 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 a feedback loop that, that was uh, you know it seemed uh, never ending. Not yeah. only that, but with every new member, they were re-recording "Appetite for Destruction" on oh, yeah, the Chinese yeah. Democracy for dime. No good for no reason. reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of dime, apparently, yeah, I think that I think there was a, there was probably not a good reason, but I think the reason was is he wanted them to sound like Guns and Roses. So the best way to do that is take the the you know the the apex of the Guns, the and, Roses Guns and Roses this. catalog and and say you know have to play like this. So or even in the even in the early '90s, Guns N' Roses is already a nostalgia act of its al- of its first album. Like since, from the jump, they've been like, "We need to sound just like this thing, no matter what," mm. and we will not <laughs> give well, up on that. So it's like they've been kind of retreading the same thing for you know, even with the classic lineup, even yeah. even in their heyday, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> It is an album that sounds very much of its time, but since its time is 94 through 2008, <laughs> there's a lot of times in there. I mean, you know, Tool, Evanescence, Limp Bizkit, um, yeah, a the, lot the of stuff. Yeah, the rise and fall of, of really corny rap rock. <laughs> yes. like, came and yeah. went. While New this, metal. Like, um, well, and that's, that's one of the, the, the problems with it. I, I, I know there's a lot of... Uh, well, it's easy and um, kind of fun to make fun of this album, and and there's there's an awful lot of people that just you know just really don't like it. I, I suspect a lot of them haven't really heard it. Um, it's yeah, just something that you you know perhaps for good reason. You know what what could it possibly be? Uh, but that, you know it would be so earth shattering. But um, yeah. But uh, um, you know when I you know I listen to it with some care, and I don't I don't hate this album. 
we've certainly listened to worse. And, yes. and I think it kind of fits in with with. I don't think it's this this. Uh, um, I mean, the departure, the departure here, the yeah. outlier here is not is not so much that it doesn't sound like Guns N' Roses, is that Guns N' Roses isn't playing on the on the album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It, I think that was Slash's comment when he finally heard the album. like, it, it sounds like an Axl Rose solo album. If he'd called it that, it probably would have done a lot better. So, yeah. And, and you know, the players that he got to play on there, some of them are quite remarkable. It's got um, Brain, Bumblefoot, Buckethead, yeah, every Buckethead. Slash, Slash even commented. He said, that he goes, man, you know that that buckethead can really play. <laughs> yes, and, uh, um, you know, so so it wasn't it wasn't like I don't think there was quite the antipathy that people had built up that that everyone hates Axel. I think it was the other way around that yeah. Axel couldn't get along with. Well, one of the reasons that the you know I'm mostly appetite, but a couple of things after that you know are are so great and and kind of hold up today is they're a, a, a some of the some of their parts kind of banned. And they had a lot of, you know, Duff is a great bass player. He, he sounds good. Slash can play the hell out of the guitar. He has a very distinctive thing. Like, they all kind of, none of the stuff that, including Axel, are, you know, his singing, like, none of that should completely blow you away. It's not the greatest singing or guitar playing ever, but it's good. And when you put them together in a complimentary way, it's really good. You know, it's, it's, it's really cool. But it's only because everybody's doing something interesting and complimentary all the time. And when it's focused just on one, you know, one of those people, you're quickly like, oh, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe Slash is just like a pretty good guitarist, not the most mind blowing guitarist ever, you know, or, you know, it's like, yeah, he can sing well for a, a guy in a rock band. You know? Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's like he's not, you know, pulling off, uh, you know, operatic, uh, you know, stunts. But when you hear it surrounded by all this other crazy stuff, it's it has way more of an impact. And so with the kind of some of the the, the dressing stripped away, mm -hmm. any one of the cool things about Guns N' Roses is just like kind of fine. Yeah, and they were a refreshing departure from the shiny, glammy, uh, the hair poison. metal, poison, and the Motley Crue, all bon that Jovi. stuff. Oh, yeah, nobody was. We're tired yeah, of that. I was, I was never scared of Vince Neil, other than perhaps <laughs> yeah. contracting something from him. But Axl Rose could hurt you. Yeah, and in fact, He's did crazy. occasionally would jump off the stage that guy's crazy. and yeah. hurt you as an audience member. That would be his. Um, well, that's a really important point about this is like for you to be really blown away by uh guns and roses you know when they were first on the scene you had to have been immersed in shitty hair metal and thoroughly fed up with that for the their reactionary move to have maximum impact and so if you don't have that context to it you're just kind of like oh okay cool i've heard lots of bands that sound like this you know, yeah. there are there are plenty of contemporary bands with you know people in their early twenties dressing and singing and playing just like classic Guns N' Roses, and it's hip and cool. But well, I thought they were really you know, a you know a, a retro band. You know, they they uh, they they reacted against the kind of. I think you know the, the new shiny, right? The new shiny, exactly. Well, they 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 were the new shiny, but they they reacted against the hair metal whole thing, right? And I think, and you know, wanted to get back to back to basics, you know, rock and roll that sort of thing. Um, but but it wasn't like they they launched off into some new avant-garde direction. It was more like no, let's get back to you know Les Paul, Stuart Marshall, right? Yeah, and that's, Chuck Berry riffs. Yeah, 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 they were playing the blues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how many? You know, 
how many of you guys can play like a really good shuffle you know shit like that like there mm-hmm. it was a almost like you know the sex pistols album you know it's just like it's just a bunch of in, in slightly, that sense, slightly yeah, cranked yeah. up chuck berry licks but you know as a as a reaction to the thing that you know the the dominant cultural thing going on it, it was very impactful so i don't know but there it's it, i hate that we keep going to you know metal metal territory on this and calling this metal but yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a hard rock album it's like uh you know the first danzig solo record is is a hard rock album you know it well, might did, have some metal yeah. elements but it's it's just a hard like deep purple is a a really good right. comparison yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly and it, well and that's the thing when i heard it i was like i i've heard this before you know but you know but i'm old so yeah. i sh- i should it's really square but, um, blue oyster um, cult yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> right right yeah but uh, but uh, you know you remember um maybe you don't remember um circus magazine that's oh yeah, yeah. You know, like, they'd have you know, like metal. You know, and, and uh, they. Uh, but anything that had a, you know, a heavy electric guitar in it, they'd yeah. throw in the metal. You know, like Van Halen was metal, for yes. example, right? Because Judas Priest, Bon Jovi the was, metal. was the most metal thing ever. Right, right, right yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jethro Tull frequently won Grammys in the metal category. <laughs> so metal is um, a, a constantly. Def- you know, fluid, shall we say, definition. Fluid. Yeah, yeah. I won't let you talk poorly about Jethro Tull. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I do. I do remember because uh, I think I think I was driving across country when Use Your Illusion One and Two came out, and yeah. they were playing it on the the radio. And um, all I had was an AM radio, so you can imagine it made its way to AM radio. And and but I, uh, what was it? It was uh, it was. I remember it being really late at night. Um, you know, like maybe two in the morning or something. And I'm cruising along, and uh, they played that cover they did of of the um, uh, Paul McCartney tune. Oh, live and let die. Live and let die. Right. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's a weird choice. You yeah. know, the, of of something to do. And you know, it was it was entertaining enough. And they yeah. also did what knock knocking on heaven's door. Yeah. They right. Were you know that that classic and, rock cover band. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and uh, but I remember reading later that Slash was like he goes yeah it's like and they were saying why'd the band break up and they said well one of the reasons was is that that uh, Axel kept coming to us with these covers that he wanted to do that we thought were were just completely right inappropriate for the band right and and uh and, and uh um you know or just just odd right odd odd things to yeah. like say this is our statement you know yeah. um but um but i guess you know that kind of came to define them a bit you know hey they're we do this stuff yeah yeah so i guess uh, the next comparison is Axl Rose to Brian Wilson and finishing the Smile album. Yeah. I, I, I think I, he kind of went. I don't know if I believe that Axl was like actually losing his mind. No, being, no. Well, the thing well, is. Or he lost ca- it already. Chemically yeah. manipulated by, a, <laughs> yeah. by a, a, a crazy shrink or anything like that. Yeah. that I guess I can't disprove that one. but Well, Brian only worked on Smile for a year and then quit. Axl seems to have been working constantly on this album. From '94 through 2008, I mean, he had everyone come in and produce. He had, I think, Moby was supposed to produce at some point. 
youth was supposed to produce at some point. Yeah, uh, yeah and he had um, um, Queens. Um, Brian May showed up, played mm-hmm. a solo, and he didn't use it. Yeah, played on a whole song, <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah. It did, you know, I mean, that's, that is... Um, yeah, and the, uh, the, uh, the, Brian, the Brian May quote was that, it, you know, it's like, I, I worked really hard on that. You know, I spent a lot of time doing that, you know, yeah. and I was... Uh, Disappointed that it, you know, that they just kind of got rid of it. But I think it fit that that whole thing. If you're not in the band, doesn't go on the album. Yeah, a lot of people spend a lot of time. On it. Apparently, yeah. even Geffen Records stopped paying for it at some mm-hmm. point, and <laughs> Axel was just doing this out of pocket. Or wow, yeah, it's it holds the record according to Wikipedia for the most expensive album ever made. So it, it's funny because you mentioned Smile. But I always think of, you know, with Beach Boys and Crazy Ass Brian Wilson, I always think of Pet Sounds and how that, like, kind of syncs up nicely with, uh, um, you know, the, what is it, Madcap Laughs or one of the Sid Barrett. Yeah. You listen to those and they're they're great because it's the sound of, a ter- like, a really talented person losing their mind. And it's like, you don't get anything from this. It's no. just a rock album. Yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah. And he goes at it, like... That's, that, that's actually the, the, <laughs> the disappointment in this album. I think is not is not uh, you know it's not that the songs are bad or they're it, terrible compositions or anything like that. It's that it's you wanted something weirder. Yeah, I think, should, you if know? you spent that much time yeah, and that yeah. much money on a record, yes, I want something more interesting. It, it <laughs> should be weird as metal machine music. Yeah, for yeah, the should, for the time be, and money and, yeah. and personnel. It, it, this should be like. I mean, you got Buckethead on there, and you have a boring song. You, it's your fault. Yeah, there's there's a bunch right. of this. I'm sure we'll get to it when we go through the songs. But there's a bunch of this that sounds like lame praxis. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, when you get when you get Bucket and Brain together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or just the extended, you know, Buckethead noodly stuff. It's like this is cool, but there's usually like a really crazy bass line going on under it, and mm-hmm. like a better riff and, and Buckethead's. Not, yeah, yeah! in the background. Yeah, and you, and you and you can you can tell that there's not somebody like staring, you know, buckethead down through the control room glass like, you know, making sure that he keeps it, you know. Doesn't doesn't go get too outside, you know. So yeah, well, well yeah. So maybe maybe let, let's save it for a bit. But when we listen to when we when we get to a buckethead solo, we should definitely talk about buckethead's uh, alleged behavior in the oh, studio. Yes. Which yeah. is, <laughs> somebody flew the coop. <laughs> Nothing short of interesting. Well, shall we start with the uh, title track? Uh, most of these songs were leaked at some point before the album yes. came out, and um, apparently, other things leaked like Dr. Pepper, which tried to um, offer the entire country a, a free soda if they finished the album that year. <laughs> Didn't work. last producer and the one who got co-producing credit was the guy who also uh, produced Rage Against the Machine's Evil Empire. Ah, what's his name? Karam Costanzo or something? Huh. This, this well, that was album. Yeah. <laughs> is this, did they get like the Axe FX like yeah. modeling guitar and they were like, dude, this sounds sweet. That was the hippest shit in like 1999. They plugged four <laughs> Metal Zone pedals into one another. <laughs> Sitting in a Chinese stew 
It's almost two minutes in, you got the vocals gone. Yeah. Well, that's another thing. This album is 70 minutes long, but only has 14 tracks. There's a lot of these songs that could easily be halved, and Mm -hmm. we'd be fine. So I forgot that this is right out of the gate, but Sarah, you gotta. What are the what are the pedal steel bends like? The country, it's like it's like a major third up to a fourth or something, or or something a fourth like down, that. like something sure. like that, right? Yeah. Axel has two. He has like the pedal steel bends. It's the ah and then ah. That's the trick that he has. He uses it everywhere. Yeah, it's great. And but that's like the only. It's <laughs> Why quick, should he not? It, like after a couple songs, you're like. Oh, that's the thing that he does. He's going to do that on every song. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it was, it kind of, once it gets going, it's, yeah, it it's takes its time. But rocking yeah. has the little lead guitar fills and... You know, solid rhythm playing that you would expect from Guns N' Roses. Yeah. It's a pretty slamming intro, honestly. Yeah, yeah. it's not it's bad. Pretty it's awesome. Not bad. How does this um? Does this differ? I mean, what would you say? Does it? How does it differ from, say, a Guns N' Roses, a, a proper Guns N' Roses album? There, um, there'd be better slash guitar leads. Yeah, yeah. the bass. I wouldn't would have known, heard it for the last fourteen years by the time I finally got around to it. Yeah, they wouldn't have done that big intro with the sound effects. I, I, and, think, I know, mean. One of the sad things, well, there's that too. I agree with that. One of the sad things is that after all that time of, of all that buildup, it got leaked and people were listening to it before it was actually released. Yeah, apparently. Because <laughs> well, there had to have been like 50 different versions of every song recorded. Oh, yeah. So who knows what they got? You know, who well, was the, on it or. The disappointing thing is that the actual album wasn't as good as the leaks. Yeah. It became so overproduced. You've been listening to these leaks for a few years. Like, oh, this is great. Oh, the whole album's going to be like this. It's not. It's not <laughs> no. yeah, the, the, They're going to just, a, like, destroy it. A lot of the production <laughs> tricks that they employ with a not so a delicate hand on this album are usually the ones that are slathered on shit when you have. Like young, good-looking people who can kind of sing and play their instruments, and you need to obscure the talent, pl- you know, like <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and everybody on here is just a, a nasty ringer. Like they they can play, and so yeah, what Sarah was saying about some of the leaks sounding a lot better. I like I've heard, I remember hearing some of them, and I was like, yeah, this is pretty good, and they sounded a lot more raw. But because all of the personnel involved in recording this could just play the hell out of their instruments like you just needed to record these guys in a room and and reproduce that you don't mm-hmm. need to slather a ton of like pompous production There's so much production over the top of it yeah. because it, it makes it seem like they suck and they don't maybe that's what <laughs> axel was used to though yeah also i think there might be a fair amount of of ego tripping Let's make these guys sound like they suck, because you know, you know who signs the paychecks over here. You know, like yeah, I think there's some ego tripping involved. He might be trying to sandbag. That sounds like his a conspiracy. A what about the uh, what about the, so this, this is the title track. Yes. What about the title? Chinese democracy. Um, a that's not a thing. <laughs> well, they Although, do they do vote in China. They do. But, uh, well, I guess it's all a matter of you know how representative right, said right, democracy exactly. is yeah. i mean or american what, idol is a democracy or what that term even means i mean is yeah. it meant to be ironic is it meant to be political he, is it he meant does to, uh, you know 
mention a lot of political things without really defining what his political stance is. And um, you, you should totally make up a, a political album title and then, you know, not release the album for close to 20 years. Right. That's, uh, it's guaranteed to be relevant and clever. And he's, he's you know, mad at George W. Bush or George yeah. H.W. Bush. You don't know. Yeah, yeah which <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, he's mad at a series of presidents or or, um, you know, is he concerned about the Chinese people? Um, Does he want them to have democracy? <laughs> Does he like uh, apparently there were several other bands who tried to release albums also called Chinese democracy before this came out thinking, hey, if they're not going to use the title, this would be fun and clever. And oh, that's probably smart thinking until you get sued. litigious. Yeah. Axel would be, you know, on there like a hawk. So, yeah, I did. I did see somewhere. I can't believe this is completely true, but he said he just liked the sound of it. Um, I don't know if it really rolls off the tongue, but there's a. In fact, I think overall, for all the albums we've covered, best song titles ever. I mean, there's some interesting ones. IRS. Madagascar, Riyadh, and the Bedouins. I mean, I was excited to listen to this album. When yeah, I oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The titles that. are awesome. You're right. <laughs> but there was a time, the acronym. <laughs> yes. Well, shall we move on to the second one, which was, uh, I think, first heard on the Rock Band 2 video game, which gives you some context. When, what year was that? Do you know? <laughs> like 2007, 2008. So it's right before he finally released this, but still. <laughs> Shackler's Revenge. This is the most limp biscuity. To, yeah. to here, this could be a, a Praxis track. Like you're you're missing a, a, like a distorted filter bass and and uh, Bootsy Collins baby talk and and you're there. <laughs> It sounds like Mudvayne. <laughs> That's not a good thing. No, this is fully like new metal. Mm -hmm. Again, the title, I mean, wouldn't the shackled be more likely to want revenge than the shackler? It's a good question. <laughs> Who is shackler? Yeah, shackler. Is there a shackler? <laughs> is that your whole job? I'm not a slaver. I'm, I'm just the shackler. You gotta talk to the guy in charge. <laughs> Yeah, it has this sort of anthemic chorus. Yes. Remember what Bernie Rudd said, you want everyone to be able to sing along. So you got a bunch of people singing together in the chorus of the song then everybody in the bar will want to sing along too there's a lot of multiple tracked axles singing on every song usually in like three or four octaves mm -hmm. one doing a you know count from sesame street voice throughout the whole thing i wonder if, I wonder if he re-recorded his vocals every time no he didn't he did actually most of these vocals are the same ones from 99 
Wow. That Whoa. he never re-recorded. See, that was another thing I was thinking. Remember that um, Richard Linkletter movie, Boyhood? That they, he filmed over the process of 12 years. Oh, right, right, yeah. You know, he, he'd shoot the actor when he was five, then wait a few years, shoot his scenes when he was seven. Right, right. He should, Axel could have done something like that with this, where we see the evolution of Axel across yeah. the 15 years yeah, that through the 15 been, tracks. That would have been interesting. It really would Yeah, it did. He did not go for that, but I think it's a good idea for somebody. If anyone out there wants to spend 15 years recording an album, just one song at a time, so we can hear your evolution. We'd um, we'd appreciate it. It does yeah. because of the the obviously new metally production on this one, and you know, as we'll hear as we go through this, he is he's trying he's casting a, a wide net with uh, <laughs> with these yeah. with these songs. He's like, this is cool. This was cool for a minute. <laughs> like we can do that on this one song, and then we can do something else that was also cool for a little while in the. Yeah, that's mid aughts, uh, or you know. Well, like I said, it's song. very of its time. It's just its time was very long. Yeah. So. Well, it definitely it's has a sampler. A, has a, a, you know, despite the you know grunginess, it's it has a very dancey quality. It's kind of mm-hmm. a yeah. disco kind of. Yeah, I could see a remix of this. Yeah, Maybe yeah. this is one of the ones youth worked on or something. I don't know. It's like, a, yeah, it is interesting too. Like you said, all the different producers. I wonder. I wonder if some of that was going on. Yeah. But you know, it would have been nice if he would have. Like you said, if we could see the evolution of things, but it could have been, well, this is hot right now. I really like this. And because of how long it's taking the album to get made, you know, six months, a year later, you're like, oh, well, that's dated. I don't want to do that anymore. And you just kind of move on. Yeah. I imagine that the, like if they put out the bonus tracks deluxe edition of this, it could be 800 CDs or so. But what could possibly keep you interested in? in yeah, that's the thing is I, I listen to this. Long. Al- yeah. Don't you get bored? Yeah. It's like, I mean, even the best of albums, you don't want to... Yeah, I mean, you're like, you, you, you either finish it or you don't. I mean... Who yeah, knows? Exactly. <laughs> Axel is not one who's um, very self-reflective, so I don't think we're going to get an answer. He is very obsessive, though. What do we know about his background? His real name is Bill. Oh, that's... Yeah. yeah. That's about all I know. Was he a gearhead, or did he just like that name Axel? Couldn't even spell it right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, wasn't he from the Midwest or something like like Iowa or something stupid? Indiana, right? That would yeah. explain the cornrows. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> he did have cornrows for a period of time while making this album. Look at the, you know, do a Google image search, Axel Rose cornrows, and. You will be. Uh, yeah, I was just looking for maybe there's rose. something you know, maybe there's something deeper other than I've been given you know the keys to the candy store and I'm not going to leave. Exactly. Maybe maybe he was just afraid that no matter how good this was. Have you seen a picture of him lately? He looks like he has been. Sorry, I know that's, the... that's in poor taste, but he's not the nicest guy. I don't feel that. <laughs> Moving on. I think track. things will get better. Oh, yes. With track number three. Better.
I know you better. Some, some crazy guitar parts. It would be nice if they were up in the mix. Mr. Brian well, there's just a, a hundred things going on. You can't mix everything up. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. It's got that uh, cut the crap problem where there's too many tracks going on simultaneously to mix anything audibly. I want to point out that that's, that's the first chance we get to hear like really raw, exposed Axel singing without yeah. seven tracks. I mean, I, it sounds like that is just one you know, one track of him singing in a, in a comfortable range rather than a stack up, you know, harmony of, of right, right. At least, at least in the, in the verse. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think to me, that's one of the first ones that actually sounds like Guns N' Roses to be. It's, it's a lot more raw and it's got that, it's got that more new metal element to it, but it's definitely one of the more poppy slammy hits that you can have on this yeah, album. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. It and it's one of the ones they took with them to the reunion tours and you got Slash like shredding on this you, track, which you is saw them, awesome. Right? I did. I did see them. Yeah. And they played this and it was amazing. Yeah, that, that does. Yeah, I could see that. I could, I could re- just for what, you, you know, you and Logan were both saying is that it's, that's, that's what Axel sounds like. That's what mm-hmm. he does when he's doing it well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder how, I mean, even from the classic, you know, early material, I don't, they didn't do the multi-track thing quite as ridiculously as they do it on this album, but they did it a little bit. I mean, pretty much all of Ozzy's vocals are through like a freaking Eventide, you know, for a good <laughs> chunk of, of, of solo Ozzy and stuff. So it's not unusual to have a, a rock and a hard rock lead singer's voice manipulated and, mm-hmm. in, you know, if nothing else to to fatten up the choruses or something but but uh you know in in the classic guns and roses material it's still you know it's like you can tell that it's not quite as assembled and it has more of an impact because it's more raw like that's you know back to what we were saying earlier it's like this is more processed than you know than anything else they've done and with the early stuff why there was such a great reaction to hair metal was because it's like they're basically a punk band playing hard rock tunes with good riffs mm-hmm. and good guitar playing. It, it's like no, no frills. And, oh yeah. yeah, this, yeah. Is, yeah. this is like all, <laughs> all the frills. frills. Yeah. All plus, the time. Well, plus, those, those were certainly yeah. I haven't heard of yet. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. And I mean, yeah. And in terms of even those earlier ones, you know that, that, I mean, they weren't stacked is what it was. I mean, you can, you know, there's, there's certainly comping vocals and the like, but mm-hmm. there's usually just only one, one singer at a time, yeah. right? Right. So, so, uh, well, you know, one voice at a time. So, so, but, but, so you don't have a digital choir. Of right. Axel right. So, yeah. so, I mean, you know, so, I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm just saying, you know, and this isn't not unique to Guns N' Roses. It's no, no, no. All, all pop bands, right? They polish them up, right? They is, do this. But like, as I said before, yeah. it's like you usually polish them up when the people can't sing worth a shit. You yeah, know? yeah. It's yeah. like they, you know, they need to be, they need to make it sound awesome. So when they, they play the concert, they can do crazy dance moves and nobody will notice that they're not, you know, singing into their headset mic. You know, it's like, <laughs> well, here's the question. If, if Slash and, uh, Izzy and Dizzy and Duff and <laughs> Izzy, everyone Izzy hadn't Rosby? been fired <laughs> and this was like, say Guns N' Roses 12th or 13th album, they've been putting out albums every two, three years, would we have seen a progress to this point? Would we be surprised or would this be... Nah, they would have gotten sick of each other and like... They would have killed each other. <laughs> they would have killed each other. somebody by then. I, I have no confidence that they could have kept it together. For... I don't think the original guys would have made it to this level of new metal, like 
finneginess. It's just, yeah. I don't think they would have got quite here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, grunge Without probably would have washed them away much as it washed <laughs> yeah, away that, a lot of... Well, that might have <laughs> what drove them away in the first place. Was I don't. Too much, too much, you know, like you said, finickiness yeah. and, mm-hmm. and not enough just, look, we got a song, let's... Record it. Move on. Do another one. I assume this was recorded digitally, or at least mostly. Oh, yeah. That's a good question. When did Pro Tools come out? Because that may have been why Axel was able to fiddle with this forever as he bought. On the new metal stuff, you know, sound and stuff, there's clearly just a shit ton of tracks. You know, yeah. if, if nothing else, just the, you know, how they had to do, uh, you know, Axel's, like, crazy layered vocals and stuff just implies. And I know I know you can bounce stuff around and you can sync up a bunch of tape machines, but I think not only did... Um, I, I don't know for certain, but it seems like not only did they do this digitally, but they embraced the, hey, we have unlimited fucking oh, yeah, tracks yeah, and we can edit like crazy. Mm-hmm. And we will. <laughs> Every chance we get. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when we don't have to, just to see what will happen. <laughs> well, they uh, throw an twice, orchestra on this. <laughs> twice now we're on, the, we're on the third song, right? Yeah. You know, twice mm-hmm. now we've already heard these sort of kind of, um, uh, you know, um, lead in, in the distance, kind of tinny sort of through a loud hailer or something in the background. And then, and then coming up to the high fidelity. Yes. It's like a little a little trick someone learned and they decided mm-hmm. they liked it a lot. On that last On song everything. if right yeah. when when Axel starts singing and the and the clearly like power ballady guitar yeah. shit kicks in, if you just have some fuzzy bass and Bootsy Collins mumbling about something, it's a killer praxis song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, like that's you know He should know better. But um Let's go on to the uh, the first of the attempts at November Rain. <laughs> right. Street of Dreams. Dreams. I mean, who plays the piano? Do we know? I think this there is a, a list but... of um, credited musicians about as long as my arm. I'm not sure who played which and what. played it with his toes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> earlier songs recorded I think yeah but it's all Tommy plays bass on all of them right I think the last bass track finally recorded was Tommy there may have been others recorded beforehand and yeah that that kind of when it picks up like that it really sounds like some kind of I don't know 70s Hat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something along those like, well, it's not even as tough as Fog Hat, but well, you know, yeah. it's kind a of, slow you know, ride. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, his voice, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe it's part of the affecting process. But but it, it, it gets really fizzy when he's up in the up in the high registers, and and I think uh, I think his voice is going. 
He's, um, I can't imagine he's, uh, you know, knows a lot of the technical yeah. skills to maintain one's vocal instrument. So, so uh, but, uh, yeah. But, uh, how did he? I mean, how did he sound when you saw him live? He sounded great, and I think like on this particular track, he really shreds. I mean, you can show, you can see that he's an excellent vocalist. He has no training whatsoever, but I mean, especially later in the song, you'll hear he's very, uh, he's very lyrical. And he's got a lot of versatility to his voice, and I think especially in this track, you can you can hear that. Yeah, he's definitely well. That's the that's the thing is is a uh, Guns and Roses. Um, you know, like Logan, you were talking about you know the sum being greater than the parts kind of deal, and I, I you know I I think that's true. At the same time, you know, I'm going to repeat what I said before. I think Axel's a bigger part of Guns N' Roses than I would have realized, you know, because I'm, yeah, I'm a yeah. guitar guy, you know, and yeah. I'm thinking, you know, it's hard rock, it's, you know... Yeah, it, it's, it's just the lead yeah, vocalist yeah, yeah. at the end. He's not right, that important. Right, exactly. Yeah, but I, I, I agree with you, because, I mean, I have heard those, you know, the the various, like, Slash, you know, the Slash's Snake Pit and his other, you know, some of his other side project stuff, and they're great, but it doesn't scream, hey, Guns N' Roses, it screams... oh. Slash. Hey, that sounds like right. somebody tr- or somebody playing like Slash. Yes. Right. You know, and then you have as soon as a different singer opens his mouth and Slash is playing, you're like, something is amiss. What the hell this is, is just going a rock on? Band. It's like this, 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 this does not go. You know, yeah, it's just yeah. a rock band. This does not so, compute. Yeah, <laughs> it is really funny to me that Bucket, you know, Mr. Brian Carroll was selected as a uh, as a replacement for Slash. That, they are really. I, I think there's plenty of guitarists who play very in a very slashy manner. Well, maybe he didn't want someone like Slash, yeah. and instead it he, is so bizarre that I mean that you're quite right. He might have he might have just said I want someone quite the different, opposite, but of, he doesn't have them do. Yes, and you know, then what, I want the opposite what, to play what, Slash. Right, right, <laughs> yeah, which is yeah. which is yeah. It's it's very and Buckethead can do strange slash, choices like probably to the. Buckethead can do might, most things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell recordings apart. I think you know? any anything in a rock vein or a metal vein, I think Buckethead can, can do do it flawlessly and easily. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. We don't need any other guitar players. Right. Yeah. Stop. We'll stop here. Yes. Everyone else can just go back to Guitar Center and return their right. their cheap. So, so I, I, I do assume Axel writes all the lyrics, or does he have a, a writing buddy? He writes all the lyrics, and um. Most of these have like seven or eight co-writers as far as the music's concerned. I mean, one of them is Joshua Freeze, who is uh, mm-hmm. credited with the drum arrangements, but not actually playing the so drums. So he was one of the early drummers, probably. Yes. He was and probably so yeah. each drummer who came in after him had to copy him. Yeah, and, so he uh, probably played the first iteration the first take, of, yes. of the yeah, songs that, that's, when they um, took their form. Because I know the drummer on a lot of these songs is, yes. you know, Brian Mantia, or Brain. Mm-hmm. Brain. And, and um, uh, he claims, and I, you know, there's no reason to doubt him, yeah. that Axel had him come in and um, rather than say, hey, you're a great drummer, which he is, he's fantastic, yeah. is, uh, you know, do what you can do, he instead had him learn all of the uh, parts, note for note, you know, on yeah. the drums, and then just which is probably why play it that way. Joshua Freeze got the <laughs> yeah. drum arrangement credit, <laughs> right. I mean, which is which is so strange because it's it, you know, I mean, I suppose a, a very talented ear could say tell the difference between say you playing a snare and me playing a snare. Yes, but I think once you add all this production on it, I don't think it matters much. No, no this probably is not. <laughs> For drummer fans, particularly fans of Praxis and Brain and, you know, Primus with Brain, this sounds nothing like, you know, production-wise, this does not sound like Brian Mantia, and he usually has a 
a, a pretty signature style on the drums and it does not come it's been muted or edited out or just you know he was told specifically not to do any of that shit yeah but but i imagine you know i don't know i've never been offered anything like this but if uh you know, I don't know if if, if uh, you're a, a you know a very good musician um, who's played on a lot of things, but has never been on a you know billion-selling record or something like this, and and Axl Rose comes along and said, "Hey, you want to be on my record?" I mean, are you going to complain too much? Fuck no. And well, I, especially you know this record, <laughs> yeah. you'd be like, "Yeah, no one's ever going to hear it." It's yeah, you're Chinese right. democracy. <laughs> I hope that. Am I going to get paid? <laughs> I hope that Brian and Buckethead both bought like large houses with their right, right. Yeah. They sent their kids to college or something. Like I really, yeah, I really hope they they made a lot of that money. They got a payday. Yeah, yeah it do, this doesn't seem it doesn't seem like they were having much fun. No, on this like this thing. Anybody who was playing on it, it seems like it was probably pretty. I, which it may lead to the miserable uh, turnover yeah. rate in Guns N' Roses right. at this time, but. Mm-hmm. Um, if the world only knew just how fun it was to play with Axel, um, they'd hear this song. Again, what? We got Carlos Santana playing smooth. I don't know what's going on here. is a little more brainier sounding drums but yeah who knows maybe it's not him yes they were trying to make this a 007 credits i bet oh yeah <laughs> you did cover live and let die yes <laughs> they did you think cubby broccoli got some money from that huh probably somebody did yeah george martin yeah <laughs> Yeah, the sleazy funk's pretty cool. Yeah, they, they could do this. Could Guns N' Roses have done this? I'm sure they have the talent to do it. I, whether they would have agreed to do it is hard to say. I can't imagine Slash playing a wah, though. Yeah. <laughs> Slash doing Shaft. Yeah. <laughs> waka, waka, waka. Shut your mouth. <laughs> That song feels like four songs on top of each other. Yeah. This was was my <laughs> reaction to it. Is this the third one in a row where there's like a really distinct like build up intro thing mm-hmm. that just yeah. like slides right into just kind of a ballady like just a nothing burger like, of a yeah. song. And he's oh. a, he's <laughs> a we'll be here for yeah. three and a half yeah. more minutes. Okay, we'll I got it. Right. <laughs> these, these occasional shifts from lo-fi to hi-fi in, in, in various yeah. mm-hmm. instruments. They um um I. I would like more of this, not necessarily that kind of sleazy, funky vibe that this song gives off, but I, I would like more of this, like, oh, this is... Experimental. This is experimental. Mm-hmm. Maybe the experiment didn't work, but still. Right. <laughs> Maybe this was worth the time. Let's do something I mean, else, if you're you know? going to spend $13 million and 15 years on a record, 
try some stuff, you know. <laughs> like like Dean Ween always says, if you're going to miss, miss big. <laughs> you know, and so at least then it's interesting. And if you pull it off, you look like a total badass. But if you fall on your face, it's like interesting to watch and, you know, or listen to. And, and uh, there's so many instances. I mean, we're only like three or four tracks into this thing. And there's already been so many instances of them like you know, about to swing big and then kind of like, nah, we're going to play it safe. Like they kind of pull some punches, you know, and it's mm -hmm. like if they were just absolutely, you know, going for it with these weird decision, you know, production decisions and things like that. And I wonder if, you know, buried in the hundreds of thousands of hours of takes of the song, <laughs> there is of one that really does go completely. I bet, I bet it's the overworking. Thing, yeah. You know, that, yeah. If you just picked one take of it, teams the stuff down. Yeah, yeah. but um, um, I uh, do we have we heard anything yet? Is it too early to tell? Is there uh, some sort of conceptual continuity between these songs? Is there? Um, I I don't understand most of the theme, lyrics. A theme <laughs> developing? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. Lyrically, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, this, this is what it sounds like inside Axel's head all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm Yikes. just, I'm just, you know, it's yeah. like, are they all just, I mean, are these, is this a collection of songs that if you put on random shuffle, would it make, yeah. make a difference to the yeah. story? That it's, I mean, if you spent this much time on it, you think these would be 14 songs you really cared about, but it seems like he went through songs as quickly as he went through, you know, guitarists. So it, there's a, reportedly, you know, several hundred other songs that were recorded during this wow. period oh that are God. just <laughs> wow yeah and you know so these were the top of the heap <laughs> well, we hope they were <laughs> like, i don't know i mean yeah, i hope you didn't you know decide finally let's just pick the you know the worst ones <laughs> there you go he just put it on shuffle in the first but wasn't there wasn't there some sort of uh plan to have several albums ready to go yeah. so, so that you wouldn't be pressured, you know, in between tours to, um, you know, that was, that was one of the things he talked about. There was supposed to be a trilogy of yeah, yeah. these things. And it's been, you know, <laughs> well, where are they? It's been almost Supposedly 11 years they're since recorded. Yeah, yeah, Supposedly so. they're done. <laughs> Why wouldn't you release them? You, well, he's reunited with the old band and they're re-recording Appetite for Destruction again. Okay. <laughs> 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 I want to make sure these guys know how to play like Slash. Oh my gosh. Well, shall we... There was a time when I could handle this. <laughs> Ooh, the Axl Rose Choir. So, was that a outtake from Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was going to say that. <laughs> that's what it sounded like. It could be, you know, that, that um, I really like, uh, well, it makes me wonder now what you were saying, Sarah, that he recorded all the, uh, the uh, vocals earlier. Because, you know, when that, when that heavy chorus comes in, it really sounds like he should be just belting that out like screaming it out and, and it, it's not it's almost at the exact same same level as, as the bird yeah and it's just kind of like you know, auto compressor yeah it's it a was, letdown yeah yeah it's a, it's a letdown and, and it's like well you know for, for as distinctive a voice he has and as good a singer as Axel is like this is I mean, there are a number of albums that we've talked about on this podcast where it's like 
This sounds like karaoke. It's like the the vocals are like karaoke on top of mm-hmm. what was recorded. Yeah, you know, yeah, I think on a, this one, yeah, it doesn't match. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, one of the ways to do that is re-record all the music without re-recording the lyrics <laughs> for like hey. ten years. They threw in all that orchestra <laughs> stuff to sort of cover that up. Uh-huh. Just like maybe we can make this blend. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we need another producer. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's cool. <laughs> the, the cake it's, is falling apart. Another layer of frosting. Is, uh-huh. yeah, we need more frosting. <laughs> It's cool to have strings and stuff. I'm not hating on that, but you know, a good song doesn't really need a choir or yeah. string section. You know, you know, he's got the like scary Dracula singing in the background. All sorts. That's why I thought it was like you know, turn off the dark. Or turn something. off the dark. Yeah, like you know, I could see you know some guy bouncing around in a high wire. That's you know, that's probably what turn off the dark needed. They needed uh-huh. a U2 Axl Rose. Rose collaboration. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. There, if you look online, there is a um, Bruce Springsteen Axl Rose collaboration on the song "Come Together." Really? That will. This isn't like a mashup or something. Nope. No. This is something they did live. I think at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It will make your insides. You know, <laughs> contract, and you will not, um, you know, be able to Make defecate bleep. correctly for me <laughs> from the eyes and ears. It is, an, it is an astoundingly poor performance. Um, wow, from but everyone the, involved. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is such a, uh, um, you know, uh, scrupulous uh, yeah. organization. <laughs> They've so. never done anything <laughs> untoward. Yeah, uh, or yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but Bruce Springsteen, that is a strange Yeah, and the, it, it looks combo. like the two of them had not met before they got on stage. And, you know, Bruce is doing these upstrokes to give, like, come together a reggae feel, and Axel is doing oh. his uh, waddly oh, thing. He's waddling oh. on the downstrokes. And I think that was actually the last live performance that he gave <laughs> for, like, six years. Yeah, I will post the link on, on Facebook. You, you got to see it. You guys so, even so, seen the "Give Me Some Reggae" meme? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what was the uh, what was the drug situation with this uh, with this band? Well, um, it, it depends a lot on who you consider is in the band at any given time. Right, yeah. right. I guess I guess I'm, I guess I was thinking more of Axel coming Axel? into this band. I think Axel was more of a, uh, a an alcohol guy than a drug guy, but I'm not entirely sure. Which I think part of why he had such problems getting along with Slash and Duff, especially, because they were the more shoot 'em up type of guys. He did try to isolate himself from them a lot because he wasn't doing as many drugs as they were. A point of that, contention. Yeah, yeah, well that would yeah, that would you know, that would definitely be a problem. Yeah. For sure. I do know I do know Slash liked to drink a lot. Like that's, that's true. That's why he named one of his albums it's five o'clock somewhere. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's like uh yeah. You're supposed to wait till five o'clock to have a drink. Yeah. Uh, At least five o'clock. I remember I remember uh seeing something with uh when they were on when the original Guns N' Roses went on tour with Metallica. Yeah. And uh James Hetfield getting really irritated with Slash because of how drunk he was. I can't I imagine James Hetfield getting <laughs> well, irritated. And, and those guys, you know, they were they were, were, <laughs> they were known as alcoholic. Right, right. right. They, <laughs> they they, for a few they years. didn't stray away from the booze themselves, right? So oh. Well, speaking of crazy showing even crazier, more crazy, should we get into the uh, infamous Buckethead story? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who wants to handle this? Um, uh, 
Well, I can start it off. Sometimes it, it is so bizarre that I'm not sure if I believe it or not. But oh. firstly, I'll just I'll just start it off. You guys can go. Is that uh, that that Buckethead demanded yes. that that they put a chicken coop in the studio because he was you know he's a shy guy you know he does uh, for for effect but also for anonymity purposes he you know wears a mask and puts a KFC bucket atop his head and uh, um, you know and shreds like a madman and and uh, but um, um, and he has this uh, throughout his career he's had this chicken motif right yeah. well part of his, yeah, so, his mythology is that he was raised by chickens yeah he was raised by chickens Indeed. right yeah so he demanded that there be a chicken coop and um so he would live in the chicken coop in the studio yes as others played and the like yeah well apparently the what i've heard much like the sandbox that brian wilson played in the the problem came that for inspiration buckethead also required a tv with um i'm not sure if it was vhs or dvd at the time but Hardcore pornography playing at all times. And eventually Axel had to take him aside and say, look, dude, this is not cool. This is not how people act in a society. And I just want to say if Axel Rose is pulling you aside and saying that you are acting inappropriately... You are acting <laughs> that's what It makes me think it has to be almost like some yeah. sort of come on he was doing. Like, well, I'm going to push this guy's buttons. Well, apparently that's why Buckethead left the band, is he felt so embarrassed by this. Not because he was dressed down, but just like, oh, I overset my bounds. Oh, I, I feel so ashamed. Well, and he is a, a shy guy, hence right, the, right, right. the mask. But, yeah, apparently that's why he left Guns N' Roses, because he felt like he embarrassed himself by watching porn in the studio in I a chicken like coop the you know classic uh guns and roses tours probably had uh you know uh stacks and stacks of uh porno on uh, on betamax or something <laughs> in the dressing room in the studio on the bus like yeah. but you're right so you if know, axel thought he went rider. too far you gotta wonder yeah then well, again, if Axel is the straight edge guy, then he's man. far from the straight edge guy. You know, Rocket Queen was literally a live recording of him having sex in a vocal booth. Mm. So it's surprising that he might have a problem with somebody just, come, you know, watching porn for inspiration. But there was there was another thing, too, that yeah, appara- apparently it wasn't uh, far enough. Axel's, <laughs> Axel's, uh, dog, <laughs> Axel's dog, uh, you know. Dumped dumped a load in the chicken coop, and uh, oh. and um, Buckethead wouldn't let them clean it out because he said he enjoyed the smell. Oh well, that that'll yeah. And you know, so so it's uh, so you got apparently hardcore porn going on, and you know the stench of dog shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. oh <laughs> and the studio. Don't forget, Buckethead and, is talking to everybody with a puppet at yeah, this yeah, time yeah. too. <laughs> he has a hand puppet named Herbie, th- through which he communicates with everybody and will not speak to them. Otherwise, well, and maybe that's why <laughs> Axel is firing band members left and right is because he wants to be the star. He wants to be the yeah. the crazy one, the cool one, the the one you pay attention to. So anytime someone shows up with a top hat or a bucket and looks cooler than he does, he has to fire them. And he was having a hard time finding people who could play well, really well and not outshine him. Right. And, and also maybe in this particular instance, maybe this is not the right environment to put someone like Buckethead in. No. <laughs> you know, if you, if you have to retreat to the chicken coop, then, you know, maybe there's a, a lot of stress involved in this particular gig. Yeah. Yeah. If it's all true, I, I wonder. I, I have a, a strong suspicion that, that it, you know, they, they parted ways over... Uh, you know, artistic 
differences or something like that. This is sort of consolation prize. Is we give you this story. They're, they're like, look, man, like you're gonna get the boot, but you know, if you're if you, you know, you seem really into your mythology and your character and stuff, so we're gonna give you a little, you know, severance. Yeah, it, remind, it reminds me when, um, uh, you know, when uh, who was it? Yeah, Alice, Alice Cooper. Someone, uh, what was it that they threw a chicken on stage? Yeah, and uh, oh no, he threw a chicken into the audience or something or back someone threw a live chicken on stage he threw the chicken in the audience the audience ripped it apart and then the press was saying that that uh, you know alice cooper you know destroyed a chicken on stage and apparently uh, the first thing frank zappa did is he called him up because you know frank had been producing them yeah. and he said look don't leave that story don't change that story this is good <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so who knows maybe this is part of part of that yeah i don't know wouldn't let him clean it up was that for days or maybe 10 minutes yeah I right i mean and, and the dog why wouldn't you there's got to be straw in the chicken coop right? one would yeah. assume i kind yeah. of assume that that you know buckethead was you know going in there yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. See, that would have been, been a better. Well, that's yeah. what the straws for, right? Well, yeah. Maybe they were pulling back on the story. Yeah, yeah. So, we'll oh, see. It was yeah. a dog. Don't worry. We don't need to get the EPA involved. And there's some, maybe that's what the bucket's for. There's <laughs> some poor engineer in there. Who's like, oh, God, I'm this shit. My... I'm not getting paid enough for yeah. this crap. Goes home to his wife, just oh. well, stuff like that might account for the thirteen million dollars. Yeah, well, yeah, that will add up after a while. <laughs> You gotta pay an engineer to do that shit. Yeah. Literal shit. And speaking of um, literal shit, or, well, maybe not. Catcher in the Rye. This was the one that uh, Brian May had. had Allegedly, on. yes. <laughs> Kill John Lennon. Kill John Lennon. Maybe he was just waiting for James <laughs> Salinger to die so he can finally Jeez. buy the rights. For his Catcher in the Rye musical. Yeah, maybe this was an outtake from there you those go. sessions. Sounds pretty, you know, not not my favorite parts of classic DNA, but yeah, it, yeah. it sounds like it fits right in. That definitely sounds like a Guns N' Roses song. I, I think you could. If Guns N' Roses wrote a pop song, yeah, but they, they had some ballady stuff. Yeah, and if it didn't have all the instruments kind of fading in and out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot of back <laughs> reverse delay, <laughs> reverb, kind of. Yeah. yeah. I, so when did the when did CDs when did like the record industry completely tank? Um. It was in the mid '90s. No, 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 no. It was into the early 2000s. Two- no, because like they sold more CDs. They were selling just shit tons of CDs in the early 2000s. It was yeah. It was I mean, fairly like, recently, but yeah. Oh, I think, oh, oh, you're saying I thought you meant I, when you said records. I thought you meant not, vinyl oh, records. No, no, not, not records. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, I mean yeah. CDs. You know, before the internet. You know, Napster and the internet ruined all this crap. Is like right around like, oh, yeah, 2004. 2004. Yeah. And so it's right. I think Axel is still operating on the fact that everyone is hanging. 
on every word that he, you know, it's like he's yes. lived his whole career in a world where people like eat up anything that'll do, and he's gonna make a stupid amount of money no matter what they really. Like, they released like half done, you know. They released the stuff, spaghetti and incident. like, and people love you know bought it and loved it, and I. I don't know if he got or the, they just buy it anyway. I don't yeah. think he got the note that the entire industry had basically collapsed and was in the middle of like reshaping itself. Well, that and, might be part of the problem, too, is that, OK, you've spent a million dollars and it's like, are we going to get this back? We better damn well make sure we're going to get this back and spend then, another million. And so, you, yeah, you just keep chasing, but somebody, chasing something that's, you know. Yeah. Somebody had to have been like. Dude, nobody is buying, nobody is paying for albums anymore on CD or like nobody is, you know. Yeah. There's been a, a tenfold decrease in all sales of, of music, you know, for a couple of years now, and it seems to be going down. What was the record label? Why are you still dumping so much I think money it's into Geffen. Geffen. Geffen? Yeah. yeah. You would think, I mean, were they going through some management changes or something? I, I, I think they were hoping for a big hit, and then once they've already. Well, they did cut off funds eventually, but mm-hmm. you know they were like, "Well, this will yeah. save us." Right, in for a dime, in for a dollar. I think right? they just, if they'd released this four years earlier, it would have been massive. Yeah. Well, they, in uh, in ninety nine, they said they were going to. Yeah, they, they just said they were him, going to a lot of times. They offered him an extra million bucks in ninety nine just to get it out. Just, he didn't yeah, take stop. it. Stop. He didn't take so it. So, how does does anyone know the story? How did how did uh, Axel get the rights to the name? I mean, if well, because he fired. Everyone wanted oh, a time. Oh, one at a time, mm-hmm. I see. Yeah, if he yeah. fired everyone simultaneously, they then, you know, Velvet Revolver would have just been Guns N' Roses right. featuring Scott Weiland, which I guess we can be glad didn't happen. But <laughs> Yeah, that's a great example of, like, how important... Velvet Revolver is a fantastic example of how important... The Velvet a- Pilots. Axel's voice yeah. makes, makes GNR probably more than anything else because, you know, it's, you can... You listen to that and it's like, oh, that sounds like, you know, Slash and... And Duff, and it's you know, gun, mm. guns and guns and roses, right? Oh, it's As, like oh no, guns nope. and Scott. Yeah, guns and Scott. <laughs> Scott. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but he, uh, but he was flashy like uh, Axel was, you know, like to wear oh, yeah. f- boas well, and stuff. Saying, Who could yeah, replace Axel Rose? That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Is there's, I mean, you can replace Bon Scott with his apparent vocal double, but there's no vocal double for Axel. He's got, yeah, he's, oh. got a, he's got a pretty singular voice, <laughs> Axel does. Oh, should we talk about that real quick? That they fired, was it, is it Brian Jones? Who's the Brian, what's his face? Uh, ACDC, uh, not... Brian Johnson? Oh, yeah, Brian, Brian Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Brian, they, Brian Johnson oh, retired, and they, and they replaced oh, him with that's Axel. Right. That's right. Yeah. Axel became he he finished He's out the Gary Sharon of ACDC. ACDC. Yeah. ACDC. Yeah. Wow, that is just yeah. Oh wow, I'm kind of glad yeah. I haven't heard any of that. It's a, it's a <laughs> surreal world. I just, man. I just don't want to like <laughs> think about it. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's one of those things that I bet sounds exactly like I think it sounds like, yeah, so yeah, I don't need to yeah, confirm yeah. it. I was I was real sure I dreamed that until I said it out loud, and you all remember uh, that was the strangest thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, who else could you replace him with? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, because, uh, yeah. Maybe stop. It's time <laughs> to stop. stop. Yeah, right. DC should have stopped a while ago. But they, but why? They were still doing yeah, I was going to say, nothing's changed. I saw them in about 2010, and I haven't listened to them since. It was like, okay, sweet. Yeah. We're done been here. Been there, done that. Walk away. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that been, that been awesome. Huge, giant, great rock show. You've seen it. Yeah, yep. they bring out all the stuff. They bring it's not out. like the 2019 version is going to be any different, or right. the 2029 version. You, you don't, you it's don't not going to be better every year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, you've seen the clowns. You've seen the uh, elephants. Um, so let's will, move on. I will say on this song before you move on, um, the Brian May he did record 
several solo takes for this. He worked really hard on it. And he... The reason they didn't end up putting it on the album is because they ended up splicing it up so much. Axel was very proud of the way he had spliced up all of Brian May's solo attempts into one Frankenstein's monster of a solo, and Brian May was so bummed out by it. They did not put it on the record. That's a legend goes what happened there. Speaking of overproducing, you ruined having Brian May on your record by overproducing him. Yeah, if Brian May calls and leaves a message on my machine, I'm just going to hold that up to the microphone, and that's on the next record. You're <laughs> yeah. just going to deal. I know. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Is, yeah, that is just strange. Yeah, Such Everything I know about Brian May, I mean, they, they always use, Queen always used a producer for sure, but but all those guitar parts, he worked out. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he's he's a yeah, yeah. Yeah. methodical, um, mathematical mm-hmm. guitar player. But I wonder if he was scraped from this record. Uh, again, more acapella openings. I, Axel should do Don't Worry, Be Happy. The whole Bobby McFerrin thing that's all just acapella him. It kind of does. And yeah. I don't mean that as a compliment. I, I was thinking, I was thinking, yeah, it sounds a little bit like a rage song. You know? yeah. Yeah. It's the same producer. He did yeah. get a co-writing credit on this along with Buckethead and Axel. So there's a, oh, there's a trio. You can. What has that really tight kind of uh, uh, you know guitar and bass and things going on? Yeah. Let's with the the Axel duet. Well, what was more? Because there was a low part too. Yeah, yeah, there was a, I was wondering if there was auto-tune on there, but they didn't use the artifact, so if they were auto-tuning it on it, then it was done judiciously, judiciously, right? Because yeah. it's, you know, it's difficult, like, if, uh, you know, if, if any of you have tried it, if any of our listeners have tried this, you know, if you try to sing a choir yourself, it doesn't, it often doesn't sound right, because there's not enough variation in, in your own voice to make it sound, you know, kind of rich like and a group. thick and yeah. that sort of thing, yeah. But in this, he was singing in a lot of different registers, you know. He does have, yeah, two or three distinct different axles in his voice. <laughs> he does. <laughs> so, so Perhaps yeah. in his head as well. But so yeah. why not take advantage of that? Like, like yeah. you said, it would be, uh, I don't know. Well, I would I would listen to it. If he came out with a... <laughs> the Axl Rose Akamalik. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, don't worry. All parts sung <laughs> by uh, Axl. <laughs> be happy. Yay, yay. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Get <laughs> Mike Patton to produce that one. And we got <laughs> Riyadh and the Bedouins, which, you know, some say actually predicted 9-11. Hmm. I mean, apparently, when people heard the song, they, they listened to the lyrics like, oh, this, this is all about 9-11. And then they found out that he'd been singing this song since, like, January of 2000. So <laughs> I thought that was 9/11. Rock the Casbah. It might be the same song. Again, we've got, you know, 15 to 20 seconds of like noise. Mad, Mad Max sequel Foley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Laser beams. Yeah, this would be kind of like movie soundtrack stuff. There you go. 
Ours. 90s 90s hacker movie. There We're in go. with Brian Philippe. Velvet Revolver exists. Do we need this? At all? <laughs> well, Question. Uh, well, I'm just wondering. Uh, you know, I don't want to overread into this in yeah. any way. But is this kind of a harkening back to his one in a million days where he's, you know, harping about those damn those damn Muslims immigrants that you know? <laughs> it, it wouldn't yeah. wouldn't surprise me, but it's hard to tell what he's saying. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a, Maybe it, this is like you know his version of Benny and the Jets. Right, right. Yeah, I, it, oh, could, no. it could just be kind of a you know. I like those words. I don't know what they mean. I mean, it could be something far more. I meant to say raid, but I misspelled it. Right, right. And it just was a cool sounding you know, Riyadh and Bedouin. Right? Yeah, I mean, he doesn't seem very tapped into the the world, but um, oh, right, right. So maybe I don't know. I don't know what he's singing. Maybe about. like Chinese democracy. It just sounds cool. Songwriting wise and production wise, this steals like or borrows or shamelessly <laughs> to or what? This has a bunch of elements that like bands like, um, uh, God, what was the the Mars Volta guys before? Oh, at the drive-in, it has a bunch of these like very like two thousand one, two thousand two things that evolved out of like kind of mathy screamo stuff that like got all over music for a couple years. Again, really cool, about three or four years before this <laughs> came out, so nobody cared anymore, and everybody was thoroughly sick of it. So <laughs> it's like I can tell exactly when, you Each know, part this, <laughs> this is like a snapshot of like all the cool stuff from a very particular time, but it's not long enough ago to be nostalgic, and it's like, you know, <laughs> I think he's trying for use your illusions too on this, and maybe not quite reaching it. He's trying for like a "you could be mine" sort of. Yeah, it's like well, in, in this and song, it, it has, you know, it's up tempo, it's driving, it's got. I think it's got a lot going for it. Um, you know, the the kind of the vocals, the way they. I mean, the uh, the lyrics. You know how they're how they're delivered. Yes. Um, you know, I, I think it's compelling. I just think it it's ruined this. Maybe most of the songs. I don't know. This particular song is, is um, it, it's not. It doesn't benefit from this massive production. If it was just straight ahead, it mm-hmm. would be a much better, mm-hmm. much better song. I think. You know, and the intro. The intro. Well, it. Those were. I liked those sounds. I don't know what they have to do with. Yeah. Are we trying to get to 70 minutes? Because we're now on CDs. Does he realize CDs are about to go away and everything's going it, back to vinyl? What is it adding to the song? You could put that intro, I think, on in front of any of these songs. And it would, and maybe he yeah. did. Yeah. Has it, this ever been released on vinyl? It is. I, I it, looked is, it up. It's yeah. a double? Of course. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's 70 minutes long. There's no way you're fitting they that didn't on. Re- they didn't release it as Chinese Democracy 1 and 2. They should have, but yeah. yeah. I don't know exactly where the uh, side breaks are, but <laughs> I'm sorry. 
Sorry, we got another ballad on this freaking album. There's a lot of mid-tempo and less on this album. You like to think in some way that it's me and not you. He has a million takes of that line, and he chose the one where he, I don't want to do it. Where he sounds like Rob Schneider in a, the Adam Sandler show. You can do it. It's I, if it were oh you know God. specific, it would be offensive, but it's just bizarre. <laughs> This is supposed to be insulting to his past bandmates somehow. Uh, sorry, I already kicked your ass. Sorry. Yeah, he's not actually sorry, being ass. apologetic or contrite. It's just yes, the name yes. of the song. In fact, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry for you. you. Yeah, I'm sorry. You not thought sorry it was for me. my fault instead yeah. of yours. Yeah, that kind yeah. of sorry. <laughs> Which fits with Axel's personality. You know, yeah. I was thinking this album though uh, on a. I think, you know, on a positive note, it is, um, you know, some of the other, other albums we've covered that had, um, you know, missing bandmates, like the Squeeze album, yes. know, Velvet Underground, that sort of thing, or the, uh, the Fleetwood Mac album with whoever, whoever, <laughs> Dave Mason, <laughs> Dave Mason, all that, right, right, that, that kind of stuff is that what, what those, what those really lacked was, uh, um, I think an awful lot of. They just lack creativity. They're yes. they're definitely trying to do something with this material, mm-hmm. which is you know, which is is is, is uh, and 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 the playing is really good. It's not just competent. Yeah. Right. You know, it's above competent. It's above competent. It's just it's just a. It's almost like a you know like when you're baking bread or something. If you knead the dough too long, it's, gonna, <laughs> it's, it's just gonna it goes, be, it goes flat. Yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah. Well, that, I, you know, back to the, the sum of its parts kind of thing, where it's like when you have a couple of people, creative people, kind of bouncing off each other, you get something a little bit more exciting than when you have one creative person bossing a bunch of people around. So it's not too many cooks, it's <laughs> yeah. not enough cooks in yeah. this stew. Maybe that's what part of the drug use was about too. You couldn't boss people around because they're because mm-hmm. they're strung out and don't care. <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. yeah. <laughs> Dude, I tell you, all right. Well, I mean the nihil. Well, and they all have millions of dollars now. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, the nihilistic I, element of like the early stuff kind of makes it dangerous and awesome. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'm not buying it, man. You live in a, you know, you. You live in a mansion and you drove here in a gold car, you know? Yeah. <laughs> He's sorry for you. Piano shaped <laughs> swimming pool. Yeah. <laughs> or was that Liberace? Uh, so. Well, it, Axel and Liberace, so much in common. I bet they would have been good friends. <laughs> it's got to be. You, you never know. Axel has been fairly around. Uh, he would have played on this. <laughs> yeah. And then erased his part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he would have. Requested a diamond grand piano. 
and a chicken coop. Oh, diamond. <laughs> All right. So here's another angry song. I think this one's either about his ex-bandmates or his ex-lovers, or by the time he was done with this album, eight or nine different people. But um, <laughs> he's going to do the worst thing he can and call the IRS on you. Mishmash of styles there in the intro. Yeah. He gets right into it though. three guitar solos going on at one time. (laughs) (laughs) He's restraining himself. Back years ago, I worked at a a music store in in DC. It was pretty famous for professional musicians. And back in the pro sound section, there was often a a gang of uh, engineer types huddled around some new fancy uh, uh, studio monitors that you know, uh, you know, uh, probably cost as much as my house or something. I don't know. Like, and they would. The thing they would always come back to was like, well, these are so good. You can hear the, ex- the that like extra horn part on this Steely Dan track. It's in there. You know, everybody <laughs> tells you it's in there, but with these, you can really hear it. And so I just, I imagine some people having that discussion with Chinese democracy where it's like, if you get this, you know, this stack of tenoys and these power amps or whatever in the room street, it's like you can heard like you can hear like four more vocal parts and a, a three more guitar solos. There's <laughs> a lot of stuff going on. There's no you can doubt. hear Buckethead's porn in the background. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> clear that with legal. You know. Speaking of legal, I think this is the song where he, Axel got sued by a couple of like Swedish or or Scandinavian electronica mm. producers because apparently they said they put samples of their song in this song so as much as he said he was going to make a federal case about it he actually did make a federal case about this song you're really prophetic yes (laughs) while you work on an album long enough everything will come true eventually that's right he's the he's the nostradamus of hard rock so strange is like he's he's going to call the irs he's going to call the fbi he's going to hire a private eye yes yeah, that's got to call Santa Claus. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> yeah. Does that work? I mean, I'm just. I don't have any plans for vengeance anytime soon, but I'm just wondering: Can you just call the IRS and say that report someone else? Hey, I, I think someone's their cheating taxes. on their taxes. Yeah. Can you check into them for me? You know? It might work better if you know. I work for a company. I know they're cheating on their. But, which also brings up a point: Does Axl Rose have Donald Trump's phone number? Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's a scary thought. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Donnie. Or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. 
Was he he ever, I told you to stop calling me, man. <laughs> was he ever on one of those reality TV shows? Celebrity Apprentice? I don't think so, but yeah, I didn't watch them, so. Don, it's pretty echoey in there. You're not sitting on the golden toilet while you're talking to me on the phone. <laughs> I told you before, it's weird. Yeah, it's, it's, going com it's coming out any day now. <laughs> so I think this next track is the uh, theme song from the 2005 animated film, Madagascar. <laughs> Again, we're, we're in Broadway territory here. I, this can't be real horns. That's what I'm saying. I can't tell if they're, yeah, if they're, you know, got people to play horns in the studio or if it's just. He probably did and then had a synthesizer or, guy replicate those horns yeah, and erase yeah. them. Make them worse. Because that's <laughs> what he does. It's the New York Philharmonic, but then they replaced it with yeah. a Casio. It was a couple of songs back, but I, there was one of them where there's so much Axel singing, it sounds like they had a Mellotron of, of a Axel. Axel. They, made, they made a Mellotron of Axel going, <laughs> Great tambourine. Oh, this almost sounds like a Celine Dion ballad. Should have done a duet. There you go. That would that would have hit. Yeah. Again, since so much time was spent on this, any yeah. note that seems weird or strange, you have to say that was intentional. He clearly saw that, listened to it, decided to keep it in over the course of years. Mhm. Mm <laughs> yeah, but if he if he never re-recorded the vocals, I mean uh, what was he? I mean, I can imagine, but what was he spending his time doing? Just making more people come in, record them, and <laughs> erase them. You know, I don't, Just I don't like what I sang there. Change the guitar part. I mean, I'm yeah. not sure. It's got to be somebody else. Hire and fire like six people a week. It was stressful. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot Ten of time. years or fifteen. What? Yeah, jeez. All right, so I love this track, honestly. I think it's excellent. And I got this track off of LimeWire. Uh, <laughs> well, again, we're, we're about, showing the uh, age. Uh, Which kind of goes back to what 2005 saying, yeah. or so, I got it off of LimeWire. It had been leaked from a live Rock in Rio bootleg, and it was a pretty, it was like an okay recording. It's like, ah, oh, this is what the whole album's going to sound like. This is going to be great. Were they touring a lot? Like, I guess a little bit, right? They were, they were touring. I don't think they were touring like a lot, a lot. No, I remember yeah. when Axel showed up like puffy and red for like the first time in like six years on an MTV special, and they did like a medley of greatest GNR hits with Buckethead, and everyone was just embarrassed for themselves. <laughs> this this couldn't be made now, right? Like you couldn't keep something under wraps. Like I mean, it, it leaked. Oh, then, for that yeah. long. But now, yeah. like, like you're saying, if they're if they're playing any of this shit live yeah. nowadays, it's like there's there. YouTube I, will I have it the next mm -hmm. hour. I don't know yeah. if you've been at a con been to a concert lately, but if there's like people with fucking iPads in both hands holding them up as high as they can, and it's like every other person, you know. So yeah, this is it. 
I mean, that's another fascinating thing about this album mm-hmm. is it like only this clusterfuck only happens in the time when it happened. Oh yeah, <laughs> it didn't happen again the same you way. Know, it doesn't happen too many years before, and it doesn't happen to you know even a few years after. As yeah, Chuck Klosterman in his review said, this is going to be the last album that people care about. Not because they like it, but it's the last big album that, that we're is waiting an for. Album. Yeah. yeah. From now on, it'll only be you know MP3 Songs. singles or streams well, or whatever. People, yeah. People, uh, you know, people buy a song, but you know, even if even, that, you even, can't even buy a song. iTunes is gone. You you stream yeah. what, you stream yeah. a song. Yeah, and and as a musician, you get a tenth of a penny for that if you're lucky. If you're lucky, yeah. Yeah. Once yeah, you pay CD baby twenty five bucks. But that song, I think, is yeah. It's it's a it's more of a Guns and Roses kind of song. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that definitely falls into that November Rain kind of uh, category. Well, I know a ballad. I know it's Buckethead on that tour and the, the mm-hmm. you know the bootleg that you heard. But this is like, did they play was this he, when you saw him recently? This was Buckethead. I I don't think they played this one live. This is one where it's just like, man, Slash eats this shit up. It's like oh, sing, yeah. sing your sing your first two verses, Axel, and then let me do my thing. The hell out of the way for like five thing. minutes, because you know, do and people hold up lighters anymore at concerts? I don't know. They hold up <laughs> phones. Do people smoke anymore? Yeah. They hold up a phone with an image with of a, a lighter. There you go. Oh, yeah. See, we're all doomed. When is that going to be passe? <laughs> <laughs> By the time Axel Rose's next album comes out. Yeah, we'll have the corneal oh, implants. We'll be alive. <laughs> no one will be alive. <laughs> Apparently, he got in legal trouble for this song because there's samples of uh, MLK's I Have a Dream speech in there, along with samples of Cool, cool Hand, Hand Luke, Luke which, which he'd already done. Yeah, like, on Civil War. <laughs> yeah, and not even a different sample from that movie. It's the same line. This is the second best time he's sampled Cool Hand Luke. <laughs> I would have thought the copyright sort of... You would expired think. on those. Maybe, maybe if you buy Cool Hand Luke, you get it for as many songs as you want. So he's getting his money's worth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got to put it on everyone. <laughs> what we got here? Because he's he's being smart about money at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In this thing, mm-hmm. he's budgeting. Yeah, <laughs> that is what he loves. This is apparently the only song written solely by Axel. This I love, which is about the fifth piano ballad on here. I don't know. I don't know why she wouldn't say goodbye, then it seems oh, I'd love to know that there's some crackpot numerology shit behind this album. So there's five piano ballads, but there's yeah. seven... And 15 you know, studios, 14 years, on the, on the third. $13 million. <laughs> this is how we open the portal. Six guitarists. It's all there. Six, six, six. <laughs> he left us all the... Cu- <laughs> it's all the clues. <laughs> Indeed. Again, Celine Dion. Felix. Celine sings at Guns N' Roses' greatest hits. I, I'd chill out for that. Yeah. Did Paul Anka die yet? I think he's still around. There you go, man. Oh, man this is kind of Paul Anka E. Do it. We probably outsell this one. Some French horn in there. He's double or tripled there. Yeah.
change the strings? Uh, no, Buckminster Fuller. Oh, it was Buckminster Fuller. Right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Cool. <laughs> so he's got his Elton John tie in there. and Was it a buckyball-shaped uh, chicken coop? Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think it was. So, so you said 14 different studios? Yes. Do we know where they were all located? Probably all in his house. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just wondering if they, yeah, they just bounced from L.A. studio to L.A. Yeah. studio. Yeah. Like they were kicked out. It was like, we should try London for this. We yes. should try New York for this. Right? Yeah. Who knows? Do you, do you remember early in their career when people, I mean, even Appetite for Destruction days when people would talk about, like, Man, if he sing, if he keeps singing like that, he's gonna lose his voice. That's like what everybody would say for years. They're like, he's losing his voice, and <laughs> and like you can't sing. That's that's bad for you. And it's like when he kind of fell off the map for a couple of years while he was allegedly working on this, you know, and and then yeah, sort of showed up as as uh, bloated Axel. Everybody was like, <laughs> he, he's like, you can't sing. I always thought that was so silly because I mean, we know that like. You know, Rob Halford's like a hundred years old, and he sings like yeah. Rob Halford when he was like twenty-five years old. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Janis Joplin died right before she lost her voice. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the featured artists on this is uh, Sebastian Bach, and oh, yeah. he, right. he is uh, he has been on the record as uh, defending um, Axel's um, methods. He, well, his kind of gauche <laughs> behavior on the road, like coming on stage two hours late and things like this. And he claims that Axel had a lot of hard, had a very difficult time warming up his voice. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then so he, uh, so, you know, so the delays weren't always prima donna, right? It was, you know, some of it was technical. He couldn't mm-hmm. get it, couldn't get it working. So, so, um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, it seems like he can sing quite well Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. all over this thing. And I, I think at this point there's a ton of live Examples of him being able. Oh to, yeah, he's to still singing. It. Like so, he's still shredding. I just always thought that was such a silly thing. It's like, well, yeah, eventually everybody loses their voice, but like, I don't. Most musicians like don't stop playing because they're. I don't know. Like some people have hand problems, some people have voice problems, and things like that. But most musicians who have even the slightest bit of training keep can keep going until they do- drop dead. <laughs> was, you yeah. know, like that's a. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. A few years back, there was a interview on the NPR of um, some vocal instructor, mm-hmm. and she specialized in um, teaching um, men and women, but mostly men, how to do the uh, Cookie Monster vocals yeah, the without, yeah, 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 without, yeah. Uh, without, without you hurting go? your voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is a skill. I've known a bunch of like you know grindcore singers who could make just like unearthly sounds, and you know talk to you in a in a in a in a, in a mm-hmm. sweet sonorous voice right you know a few minutes after doing that you know seemingly as intensely as they could for you know half an hour and it was yeah I was like how do you do that and they were like oh it's a it's a trick like you don't it sounds like you're forcing it but you're not it's singing there's a you know, a way to do it like jim neighbors no. yes if i if <laughs> i yeah <laughs> i think it's just if if he really didn't have any control over it and he was really just like forcing that, like he would have lost his voice when he was like, you know, before he was 30. So it's, it's silly to, to think that like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Or Julie Andrews had, you know, vocal nodules that, right, removed yeah. that yeah. ended up destroying her voice. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and yeah. And Frank, Frank's voice dropped after that accident. You know, there's stuff that can yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is a physical I, I thing. Do, I do know guitarists who've retired because of you know really bad carpal tunnel you know stuff or whatever. But usually, people who have problems like that 
work with a, a, a coach or a teacher or somebody like that. Right, and, right. and, you know, there are a lot of famous guitarists who've had to stop playing for a while and relearn to play in a way that won't injure them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I still, I think his singing is strong as, as it's ever been. And, uh, this just sort of disproves some, you know, haters going to hate. <laughs> Well, <laughs> although then again, then listen again, well, to yeah, anything no, Brian I, Wilson's done since 1972. <laughs> I agree with you, actually, but at the same time, it's like all of these vocals were recorded early on in the process. Yeah, right? that's true. Maybe yeah. why yeah. he didn't go back and do them. Like, yeah. <laughs> he is still singing this song uh, live, though. Or, or well, he was when they were touring uh, earlier this year. He's still doing this one as one of their this one better and I don't know there's like a couple others that they're still doing they're from this album. Well, they only have like four um, or five. They got actual I'm, I'm good songs of, that you can do. Like. I'm kind of impressed by that <laughs> that the that the uh, the old guys are willing to play this material. Maybe, Maybe they don't realize that it wasn't an album they were on. I mean, you know, it's like like a, yeah, like a David Lee Roth. You know, famously have said, you know, you won't catch me singing Sammy Hagar tunes. Yeah. <laughs> Slash has said that he enjoys playing these songs. He thinks they're good songs and has fun with them. These ballady ones are like tailor made. You're right. That's his point. It's like he should be on this. Oh, yeah. He should be on this. He should be playing like just a wailing, you know, Mm -hmm. slash guitar solo like two thirds of the song. And, yeah, he should be standing on this piano. Yeah. <laughs> Although I really wish Buckethead was still the the guitarist so they could have like a like the Tommy Lee kind of situation with the upside down drums, but it's just a chicken coop that comes out <laughs> over the thing and flips upside, goes out over the <laughs> audience and then gets you'd be worried what's falling out of that coop. Yeah, and it's just like porno DVDs just like pouring <laughs> out of the door of the show business, baby. <laughs> well, this this last one um, is Prostitute, which is, you know, the most Axel title ever. Can we start with the lo-fi? Another mid to low tempo ballad. So who is the prostitute in this story? Everyone except him. He's the only one who stays true to his vision. He never whored himself out. (laughs) She didn't have to put out the red light. It's got that loopy, loopy bass thing, or excuse me, drum, drum part going on. And certainly synth strings, right? <laughs> There's so many songs on this album that could be like credits for a, a Pierce Brosnan Bond film. Yeah. Like about half of this fucking thing. Definitely. Would Timothy Dalton fit right in? Yeah, that's the right era. <laughs> 
Well, you know, Frank Zappa had a tune called Teenage Prostitute. It's a little bit different, though. Most songs are a little different. More, <laughs> a little more tongue-in-cheek. Um, yeah, well, once again, this 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 song is it's. Yeah, it's I don't I, I don't mind it. It just it just seems like there's this weird kind of um, uh, um, bending of of genre or genre mixing, but they're not grabbing. You know, they're not taking things and making it strange or weird. It, it's almost like out of place. Yes. Like like we we have a drum loop, but then we're gonna have these strings going over it and we're going to have this kind of endemic kind of singing and it's all just going to sit there it would just sound better i think if it was a rock band playing it yeah mm-hmm. most things are better yeah. if yeah. a rock band plays well it almost brings up like a, a you know late period mr bungle kind of comparison where they're hopping all these different styles and adding elements that are you know, really out of place and things like that. But the thing with Mr. Bungle is that they did all that shit live, just, you know, well, five guys. And that was, that was the, that was the exciting part about it, even though it was, it was kind of, kind of bloated sonically, but they were like, yeah, but we can perform this. This isn't a bunch of, this a, won't a, take a, us $13 million dollars assembled, and, you know, and, and it, it was the intent, right? Yeah, it was the intent. Yeah. And I think, I, it still just feels like they keep adding stuff to mask that there's nothing there. It, it, there's nothing really substantial. It's a lot of frosting and no like, cupcake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, but I don't know. And again, it would be, this would all benefit from a from a, a awesome killer Slash guitar solo. Like they, I feel like they could have had Slash in for the length of this album in yeah. the studio, mm-hmm. plus the time to minutes, take yeah. him to tune his guitar and it, <laughs> this would be like twice as good. Yeah, they could have had yeah. Guns N' Roses come in and replace all the parts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They tried that. Well, they failed their <laughs> off. They, they blew it when they had to re-record Appetite and Axel didn't like how it sounded. So they didn't get the gig. They tried out, but they didn't get the gig. Yeah, maybe Buckethead was really just slashed with a bucket on his head. He'll never notice. <laughs> And stilts. And stilts. <laughs> <laughs> well, how does this, how do you guys think, how does it hold up against their earlier material? I, I wonder if it didn't have the weight of, you know, 15 years of expectations on it, whether this yeah. would just be a eh, lesser. We can't talk about it without the time and yeah, the money that the went money into it. And the money and the story behind yeah. it colors it. You can't hear it without. Some of these songs are, they're bangers, like they're great, but. You can't talk about it with all the time and the money. If only Guns N' Roses had told us to have a little patience beforehand, we would have been prepared for this. But yeah. they never, they never wrote that song. Just, just have a little patience. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think it. It's, I don't dislike it. I don't love it, and it seems so disconnected from the mm-hmm. rest of their catalog and and releases that it's hard to even. It's hard to contextualize that in your mind that they're the same. Band, they're not. I don't know. Right. It's, it's weird. They don't. They don't fit together. And like we said earlier, like part of the reason that you know the earlier, you know, the classic Guns and Roses material had such an impact is because it was a reaction to stuff. You know, to, to hair metal, to stuff y- of the time. Of the time, yeah, the popular stuff. It was right, a, electronic. It, it was a synthesizer music. Yeah, it, it was a tearing down of of the you know predominant you know, musical trends and it's like we're twenty years removed from that shit by this point. And so it's like what it's definitely not tearing anything down. That's I guess that's the funny thing about it is that it's fully couched in 
the stuff that was hip, you know, of the time when it was being written and recorded, which by the time it came out is... Has well, already been passing. Yeah, yeah. several Retro. things. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 I was gonna yeah, say. Yeah. But, and it's it, it's in a weird spot where it's it's not referencing shit that's so old. People are nostalgic for it yet, and it's not so weird and groundbreaking that it. And it's definitely not like blazing any new path. Mm-hmm. So it's it's in a weird <laughs> it's in a weird it's spot. It's like underreaching. Yeah, I wonder if it'll have like some sort of revitalization as people have you know get used to it. And stop, you know, thinking about it as, you know, the the second coming of Axel Christ and start just looking at it as an album. Yeah. Whether mm-hmm. people will be able to appreciate its charms more. Of people sure younger it's... than us who, who can get over all this. Well, as yeah. we get farther away from this thing, it gets closer to the classic material. And that is so, true. It's I... been almost as long since Chinese democracy as it took to get Chinese democracy right. now. So Did it play a role in getting them back together? It might have, or at least kept them afloat for a while. Somebody needed to pay some some back taxes on their mansion or something, probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, everyone finally got sober. I think that helped, so they could talk to each other. Yeah, right. The same hours, the same day. So, and they all put out their autobiographies and you know let their their grievances be aired and have come to terms with you know what, no matter how bad Axel is. I don't make a tenth as much playing with the snake pit, so... Yeah, they made, uh, what was the last tour, uh, $560 million. Yeah, they are uh, one of the biggest... For 100, some, 160 shows, I think. Yeah, they still Huge. are one of the biggest well, so selling... The, uh, corporate you know, rock. Still I mentioned makes a lot of money. The Metallica <laughs> Guns N' Roses tour. That was another thing that the Metallica guys, they complained about. They were like, like, who are these guys? It's like, everyone has a separate dressing room. It's like, what is yeah. wrong with them? Now it's like, like they're probably like... We can have our separate buildings. Yeah. Right? yeah. We can, you know, it doesn't really matter. We each got right? our own right? Learjet. Right. We're yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see a, you on stage. We, yeah, we own a compound. Uh, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think that, uh, I don't, it's so, this is so weird and, and somehow of it, it's like looking back into the past and, and I mean, it's like when there's a sci fi movie that's like the, the future as envisioned from like 1978, you know, mm-hmm. it's really Logan's it's, run. Yeah. It's like, this is, yeah, this is like a Logan's run kind of thing. It's like, this is what they thought was going to be, you know, cool back then. 15 years in the past, they thought this is what 15 <laughs> years in the future was going to be like. And it's like, Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, honey. <laughs> you know, Missed the mark. Just yeah. A, yeah. a little, a little bit. It's like all those, you know, virtual reality movies that came out in the nineties. Like, oh, in just ten years, we're all going to be like jacking plugs into our heads and and pretending we're this killing is, Juliet ooh, Lewis or whatever. This is the free jack of of. Yeah. of <laughs> <laughs> Axel should be in the remake of yeah, Free Jack. Yeah. I'm sure he's an excellent actor. That Jagger role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, has he been in any movies, Axl Rose? I doubt it. I, 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 I don't I see him taking directions very well. Maybe you should direct. That's phase two. <laughs> Sounds like kind of what he was doing here, yeah, right? Yeah. That he was sort of the producer of the producers. Yeah. Apparently Fred Durst is now a filmmaker, so anything's possible. He's a big-time record exec around the time this was... There you go. This was happening. Yeah, I mean, as weird as it is, I'm disappointed it wasn't Stranger, though. I mean, yeah, if I had same. this much time to make an album, you, yeah, there'd be... It's weird for different reasons, but not yeah, particularly musically. Yeah. 
and it was less weird, you know, if it had come out a few years ahead of time when all this stuff was still hip and trendy. It would be somewhere extra, between ninety nine and two thousand one. It would be extra <laughs> less weird, you know, yes. like it would be. Oh, it sounds exactly like every single record that came out this month. Yeah, at least production wise, but with Axl Rose singing on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I bet the Slipknot. the touring they've been doing lately is for you know speaking as a musician who just stayed up till like four in the morning playing in a tiny bar. Uh, this has got to be you know I'm sure Slash loves doing Slash's Snake Pit and whatever you know blues band he's doing, and then going out and just making like ten times as much money as I'll ever make in my lifetime in like a month and a half and sleeping in a fancy hotel every night and just being delivered to the like <laughs> yeah. I think they might carry him to the stage yeah, they've got... and, you know, put the guitar around him. Like it's gotta be cushy as hell doing these tours. Like that's that's why they're getting along. It's because They've got the ab lounger and the the massage mm. chair and the Yeah. Well I know he switched from uh, boots with heels to um sneakers. Hmm. That would make me more for his stage attire. Yeah. Ah. yeah. Well, there you go. Well, is there anything else and we you can need hear to... it? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you want to add to this album or our thoughts on Guns N' Roses in general? I mean, how long is it going to take for the next album? Chinese Democracy too. Will China have actual free democratic elections before <laughs> By the time that comes out? Our watch begins. <laughs> Does is Tools next album out before then? <laughs> That's it. Yeah, isn't they're supposed to? I mean, this, that is completely off topic. But isn't Tool supposed to have an album out soon? Yeah, the, the Kinks are also reuniting. I'm holding my breath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Kinks are coming out first, probably. I bet the yeah, Kinks will have my theirs money. done before. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, th- there'll be some stitches in Mick Avery's head, but yeah, they'll be done. <laughs> Well, I guess if not, then um, that'll wrap it up. Is there anything you want to plug? This will be hitting, I think, August 13th. Right on. Um, I'm in the Vampire Squids from Hell, and we're a doom surf band. So check out our Facebook and come see us play. There you go. Vampire Squids from Hell. Vampire Squids from Hell. Online at Vampire Squids from Hell or stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You'll find them. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're hard to miss. And um, I guess... We should also plug that, you know, uh, August 17th, we the Denver Art Rock Collective is uh, playing a big old show at streets of Denver, not London. Um, we don't have merchandise for sale. We don't have a Patreon account. We don't have ads. So if you want to support the podcast, come to that show. That'd be really nice. You can, you know, buy us a beer or, you know, throw a beer at us. I'm not too picky. <laughs> Just show up. So you can throw a beer at Scott, but don't throw anything at me, please. Okay. I will. I'll be the one wearing the big target on me. And um, it's a who shirt. <laughs> pretty much. So uh, um, this has been Scott Livingston. Logan Renard. Sarah LaFeb. Matthew Marr. And tune in next week when we try and figure out who this is. To this day and age, it seems so civilized.